Wednesday night. It is another off night. There are two days in between games here. Um, the Knicks play Thursday night against the Boston Celtics back in the Garden. Uh, and we ha- have no shortage of news to discuss uh, over the two days that we've been off. So uh, I got someone that knows a little bit about some of the things that are being discussed. Um JB, you there, buddy? <laughs> I'm here. You've you've had so many, you know, good guests that it was hard for me to get a spot, but finally it's me and you on here. Um yeah, I created that I created that podcast uh uh what is it? Google Sheet and uh you know, all the dates are just filling up. You had to kind yeah, of Yeah, no, that's great. You had that's to wait great. in line and um, you know, I made you hold up your hand and, and wait nicely for me to <laughs> for me to call <laughs> no kidding obviously um yeah so it's crazy man um the team doesn't play for two games and i or two days and i is it just me or have well i guess when did the wall rumors start was that monday yeah well i guess it was probably technically what tuesday morning after that game okay so yeah uh-huh. then what i was yeah. about to say is true which is that the, these two off days have arguably been the the buzziest, um, I don't know, you want to call it news days, not f- like fake news days that we've had all year and the team hasn't even played. Yeah, well, maybe that's it, right? Because everyone's got to write something. So, um, <laughs> certainly it's, and you know, it, it's funny because obviously now with the site where, you know, we try to compile all the different information together, um, it's interesting to see how a rumor evolves being someone who's usually at the front end of finding a lot of this stuff. So, so meaning Mark Berman puts, I think it was literally one sentence that is within an article about Emmanuel Moutier. And it's actually an article that complements uh, the Knicks and Moutier. It does. The headline, the headline is not even about. So, so think about it. Mark Berman's writing a, a story for the post, which you know, might might be known to try to create headlines that people click on. And yet their headline has nothing to do with John Wall. Their headline is something about, you know, the Knicks find a resurgence in Moody. And then within that report, one sentence alludes to the Knicks, um, some people, you know, around the league. No, I, I, been, let's, right? let's key in on the wording because I think this is important. And I listen, people might listen to this and be like, you're really going to parse uh, – what's that What's that phrase? Parse – whatever. Par, whatever you parse. You're going to parse things over one or two words. Well, yes, because if some if a reporter puts in a story that sources indicate, right, I feel like right, that, there's like a – at least an attempt at credibility there. This didn't say that. It said some in the league believe the Knicks are stocking up their young assets and will make a major play for Wall – if he becomes available, it's like that could mean literally anything, anything. Yeah, no. And, that, and that's it. And then and then what's crazy is to see how even now 
there will be new publications because, you know, you have all these NBA news sites that will create, you know, an article about that. And um, it's the aggregation. It's like uh, when, you know, we're we're admittedly now part of that, which I always am like going back and forth in my head how we best do it. And I think it's something, you know, we've been talking about a little bit and maybe fun to talk about now is. Yeah, it's just tricky because you you want to give, fan, you know, the whole idea of Nick's Film School, you know, as we both know, is to give fans kind of a tool where they could go and get information. But when you get into this rumor business, it's like, yeah, how do you, I'll use the word you're just using, how do you parse out kind of real from fake when sometimes a reporter might be giving something that you think is fake and then sometimes you get someone who's maybe not a reporter, but you're like, I, you know, I don't know, maybe for some reason they have information from a contact. Now, do I just completely ignore it? I didn't, you know, there, there's just a lot, there's a lot to it, funny enough. So I, th- I think there's two different things that, that are kind of going on here. On, it's like, so you have the beat reporters, the people that, you know, have, been documented in the past to have sources you know if you want to if you want to go through every rumor that Berman has ever come up and it, we're just using Berman happens to be the example here it could be anyone it could be you know Ian Bagley who we just had on the pod a few weeks ago it could be um you know Steph Bondi it could be whoever it doesn't matter who it is but these people have had a, a history of having sources give them stuff you know uh, I don't know what their hit rate is, but uh, you know it's a lot less than a hundred percent, and it's it's greater than zero. I think we could agree on that. And they put something out there, and then that gets buzz. And then on the other side of the coin, there is like whatever it was two hours ago, three hours ago, you know, some account on Twitter that has you know twenty thousand followers that is what is it? Legion Hoops was the guy. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's like. Okay, this person isn't nobody, but they're not. They're also not, a, you know, a beat reporter that clearly has access to you know scouts and and executives and, and things of that nature. But yet the the uh, the Twitter account might try to be more definitive, which is you know I think the report was that the Knicks are what is it further along or uh, have reached a certain point, whatever the hell that means in Nilakina discussions with two Western Conference teams. So it's like, I don't know. And then what do we do? Do we ignore it? Or do we give, you know, if, if we put it on the site, does that give it credence? You know, I don't know. Do you have the answer to these questions? Because I certainly don't. No, I know. And that's what, you know, I was actually just talking to someone on Twitter about that point. Um, is, you know, the idea is like, okay, now, you know, remember, we're we're just two, two fans, right? Like, we're, we're nobody. So, you know, I don't, I'm never thinking like, oh, you know, I have this platform. So, you know, if I, if I comment on it, on Legion Hoops, whoever the hell it is, like, you know, now I'm giving them exposure. Like, I'm just not programmed to think that way because I'm still in my head tweeting from my personal Twitter account and it just happens to be called Nick's Film School. So, but then, yeah, I get complaints sometimes, I think, from people on some of that stuff because it's like, oh, why even give them, give them anything? It's like, I don't know, I guess for me as a fan, like, I always like to know everything that's going on and I was smart enough myself to see, 
you know, especially because I think we add context like, OK, this is really probably a nothing thing. But, you know, whatever. It's just kind of interesting to see it's out there. That's kind of the, you know, where I've sat with it. And um, but I think to me, the more challenging one is when it is from an actual reporter and it is something that, you know, the wording is in such a way where you're like, uh, you know, do I pull this out and make a headline of it? when it doesn't seem like it's worth a headline, but that said, it is news and it is something from a report. Like to me, it's those things that are a little tougher than these ones that are obviously not, you know, not very credible. So I, my, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a attorney by trade. My, it's in my DNA to present the evidence. That's why I, you know, I, anybody who follows me knows that I try personally to stay away from you know the hot take, or trying to if something is even borderline sensational, I I try to desensationalize it rather than adding to that. It's like present the evidence, you know, unfiltered, and let people judge however they're going to judge. And I, you know, to me that's the best approach, you know, to 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 go, as opposed to and I know what you want to avoid, and what I want to avoid is trying to make this into a bad game of telephone. Where it's yeah, like, right, you know, right, exactly it. That's um, it. And then, yeah, and just kind of adding to the noise that's already going to be out there. And you know, you you definitely don't you don't want that. And like you know, and and it is tough too because I guess yeah, I have to think more about you know the size of the account too because you know a lot of times you know I will see stuff that you know hasn't been picked up by a lot of places. So therefore, I got to kind of decide you know, do I just kind of let it slide? I know eventually someone's going to get it. Do I, you know, are we, do we make it a story quicker because we have, you know, I mean, I guess that the, um, the Knicks fan, right. Uh, what was he called? The disgruntled Knicks fan. Oh yes. Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, LeBron James, uh, uh, whatever his, his name. I, I don't even know the guy's name. I don't care. Yeah. I, I think it was Evan or something, but yeah, I mean, he's a perfect example. I mean, I was the first one to see that of, uh, you know, anyone that was, that would report it out. And it's like, I think eventually, again, someone would have found it eventually. Right. But you could say, geez, if I didn't put that out there to start, does it, you know, how long does it take till someone does find it? Um, so, you know, that that's a tough. So maybe maybe the point is, and people probably listening to this podcast are already screaming into their, well, I guess it's not radios anymore. They're screaming into their <laughs> their iPhones. We need to um, bring the radio back. I miss the radio. Film. <laughs> yeah. They're probably just saying, stick to film. We follow you to break down film. It's nice to have all the information. Um, but, you know, may, maybe that's that's where we go. But it just, you know, again, it just shows you it's it's like anything. It's a nuanced thing, even in film. If you highlight a mistake by a player or do, you know, try to um, show what you think should have happened on a play, because, again, we are fans. So we are simply saying as fans, this is the information that's publicly available that we process and give comment on. We could 100 percent be wrong. And um, we're, you know, you just do your best to, uh, you know, I guess, protect yourself in terms of you know, making, trying to take more measured steps in, in how you, uh, go about presenting something that is at least based on some fact. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, look, it, at the end of the day, 
there's been all this noise um, over the last 48 to whatever it is, 72 hours. There has, as you as you said, uh, as is on the site, there has not been one single credible report that the Knicks uh, have offered Frank Nilakina in a trade um, and have discussed any you know specific parameters of a trade involving him. I mean, that's what it, that to, that's what it comes down to. Me, to. Right, and to me, that is the important point that I hope is added value, and that is the the nature of the beast is most um, media outlets that are actual media outlets because we're not. I mean, we are a fan outlet. Is that they're not they don't want to talk about other reports because they want to say, come to my site, come to the Daily News, we'll tell you all information, right? Yes. So therefore. You know, there isn't a. It is easy when you're seeing all these aggregated reports to kind of be like, oh, the the Knicks are looking to trade Frank. And to me, it's like, no, it's important to say, here is every single credible rumor and some that are even borderline or not credible. This is literally everything's out there. And then based on that, we can say nothing has been reported to say the Knicks are looking to trade him. And that's an important caveat because, like I said, fans or people in general would just who don't have time to read every report will see some headline that was twisted wrong, and they'll think the Knicks are looking to trade him. Yeah, no, which I, could be true, but we just haven't seen it reported yet. And <laughs> and look, we should. <laughs> that's kind of the 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 funny thing about all of this is that executives, GMs, you know, front office people. They they literally have calls about players every day. Like, if you're a player on an NBA roster and your name isn't, you know, LeBron James or uh, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or maybe a couple other guys, the odds are that some executive has mentioned your name, you know, either an executive from your team or an executive from another team at some point during the year. It happens, which is why, you know, the funniest part of the, the Legion Hoops guy his thing is that you know talks have made the next step like that could that literally means nothing it it means like okay we'll agree to look at uh certain players on your roster for the next couple months and you do the same on ours i mean it's it's or he could get traded tomorrow nobody knows but we could only go by what's been actually reported and as you said that's essentially nothing at this point um can we move on i i i like this is like this stuff gives me not a headache but it's i don't know what's the word for it <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's t- it's time to move on. But I think, you know, it's at least important. Uh, like I said, it's just interesting to kind of tease out in terms of because you have these off days and you do have all this information out there. Yes. And it does become a big part of sort of the experience of NBA Twitter. I, you know, it, it is kind of interesting, I guess, to to talk it out. But, yes, I'm happy to move on and, and, and talk about something and else. Actually, <laughs> so we're going to move on. The last thing I want to say on, on this is this. Um, media members occasionally, when fans critique things that they will will say or or write or whatever, will then come back with, "Oh, of course, it's you know you're blaming the media." Again, it's this isn't it's not the it's not anybody's fault. Um, it's just I guess my my thinking is like. Actually, my, oddly enough, my wife said this before. Like, I, she saw me like looking at my phone, and she's like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "Oh, there's like Frank stuff flying around," and she's like, "Man, you know, I feel so bad for him. He's a 20 year old kid. I mean, what's you know, what's going through his mind right now?" And I think that's why people get annoyed because in cities like, you know, Oklahoma City or Sacramento or Portland, it's like those players don't have to deal with this. 
Like, it's not... It's like, they have to deal with it to some extent, but it's like one-tenth of the magnitude. And that's why I think sometimes when New York fans, you know, get accused of blaming the media, it's not that. It's that we know that, to at least some extent, our players have it a little bit tougher. Did you see where I'm coming from with that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more... To me, on this Frank one, I mean, you know, the only reports by the actual media have been about other teams' interests, which I don't I don't think that's harmful to Frank. But for the that Kevin Knox story... About well, that's being different. Soft, yes. it, yeah, I think that that fits the example a little better about, well, why is this a problem? Well, you know, it's a problem because if, you know, New York fans who have been following the team for 20 years, we know, you know, we know how to read that report uh, based on where it's from. Yes. But when you're Kevin Knox, he has no idea, right? He's just coming into New York. He doesn't know who any of these reporters are, any background, nothing. So, you know, he looks at it, he looks at it different. And, and I think that's that's to your point, right? Like it's just it's a kid, and it makes it harder on him when really the story seemed that story on him seemed to be. It's hard to know what it was based on because it was just anonymous sources. Totally. But yeah, in this environment where everyone's trying to make money and sell newspapers, and even us, right? We now contribute contribute to it as well, being a large account that puts out information, right? So, um, like you say, in other markets. They, they don't have so many outlets, so there's not as much competition and there's not as much, uh, you know, headlines to have to sort through. And and I guess that's why, um, you know, that, that's why they say it's tougher to play in New York. But one more point, I guess, on that that I was actually thinking about recently, and that is it is ironic with the, especially right now the way Knicks fans are with the team, where if you want to get ratioed if you want fans on twitter to get upset with you if you want fans in a bar to get upset with you about the knicks just suggest trading one of these young players oh god yes it's like that you know nick fans do not want a quick fix and it's just so funny because i think people outside the city who or who aren't as in tune with the fan base right now they think oh it's new york it's a tough market because they expect results and they expect them yesterday and it's like, no, like it's a tough market for the reasons we just said. The the media environment makes it where stories get blown out of proportion, more is covered than should be, et cetera. But fans are, are pretty intelligent and actually pretty patient with the team, maybe more so than other markets who um, you know, who aren't thinking as much about you know the significance of the lottery picks and whatnot. Well, we've we've been through the pain, so uh, we know at this point that there is only one path out of the darkness uh, towards the light, and it is it is the patient approach. Speaking of which, um, let's get on to the the topic that was originally going to be the focus of our our podcast, and and it still still will be um, Alonzo Trier. So. A lot of fans have been uh, talking about his his contract and what's up with it because originally, um, let me just make sure I have the day right. Yes, today was supposed to be the last day that he was going to be allowed to be on um, the team. So before we get into his, his different contract options, um, JB, why is Alondra Trier uh, going to suit up for the Knicks tomorrow, a day after when he was supposed to have been sent down? Yeah, so the the simple, it's really just math. math. So he has 45 days that he's allowed to stay in the NBA on a two-way contract. And the 45 days begin when the G League training camp 
date begins for Westchester. So if you just counted 45 days from, I can't remember now if it was October 22nd or 23rd when, when Westchester broke for camp, you would come to around this date. But what was recently changed actually this year was that travel days are no longer included in days of service. So any day, which I believe would actually technically maybe be today, because I think the Knicks were traveling to Boston today. So today would be a perfect example then of a day that wouldn't count. So it gets added. So if you add those travel days, also any days that he doesn't practice with the team, which, um, you know, that's not really public information we know, is why it's longer than just the 45 days you count on a calendar. Um, December 15th is the last date I've seen floated out of when, um, you know, his 45 days could come up, but literally they could cancel a practice on December 13th and suddenly they have an extra day. So it moves to December 16th. So that's why it's not set in stone because it really is based on 45 actual days. He does basketball activity. Yes. So where that leaves us is this, um, as of whether it's December fifteenth or December sixteenth, some we're, you know at this point it's looking like it's it's one of those two days, probably the fifteenth. Uh, at that moment, Alonzo Trier, the Knicks are going to have essentially two choices: one, send him down to Westchester, and two, sign him to some form of NBA contract. Can we? I'm I am comfortable. Well, actually no, I'm not comfortable with this because of our discussion the other night. I was about to say this. I'm comfortable saying there is zero chance that they sent him down to Westchester for even a day. Um but that may actually not be true, which you'll uh, explain why in a second. Let's actually well, yeah, go, No, I was going to say let's actually go go backwards. Uh, my understanding the way we've talked about it is there are two different contract options that they have for him. Is that right? The the 2-year well, option or the rest of this year? Yeah, I mean technically there is a third option and that is So I'll just quickly go through. Yeah, so, go through. Them. So as a two-way player, the, a team is allowed to convert a two-way player to an NBA contract at league minimum for however long his two-way contract is, which in Trier's case is through the end of this season. So that's one option. And that would be at the minimum, right? That would be at the minimum to the end of this year. The other option is they can sign him to just a, this wouldn't be converting him. This would just be simply signing him to a league minimum deal and league minimum deals. So I should start with the Knicks are over the salary cap. So any rule that applies to them for signing Trier beyond converting him from his two-way, which we just discussed, they have to follow the same cap rules they would for any free agent, right? So therefore, since they're over the cap, they have to use a salary cap exception to sign him. And the exceptions they have available are either they sign him to a league minimum deal, which actually can be for up to two years, but it would only be league minimum. Which is, they so can, that's the exact same thing as the the conversion option, except the difference is that it could technically be for another year, correct? Exactly, okay. right. The uh, the next option is, they, and this is the one I think um, you didn't mention, but it's because it's the least likely, they could use what's remaining of their mid-level exception, which is about $650,000 for this season, and they could technically sign him with that for up to four seasons, but the problem is they would have to start at that $650,000 number, and then he would get 8% raises over that. 
So, you know, the idea that he's going to sign a four-year deal at what equates to league minimum, again, highly unlikely. So that's why you come to the most likely option, which is the biannual exception, which they have up to $3.5 million or $3.4 million to spend, and they can sign him up to two years with that. Okay. So before we get into the, the wisdom of each of those, if he signs the league minimum deal for the rest of this year, at the end of this season, he becomes a restricted free agent, right? Yes. Okay. If he signs the biannual for the rest of this year and for all of next season, about you know $3.5 million this year, $3.5 million next year, does he become a restricted free agent at the end of next season? Yes, as long any player who has less than uh, three years of service in the league would be a restricted free agent, which he still would be, obviously, because next year would be his second year in the league. So he'd still be restricted. Okay, so either one of those options, there there is no possibility that the Knicks wouldn't at least have matching rights um, on him should a team come and... and you know, blow him away with, with some type of, of contract offer. Um, so do we want to say at this point, which is which do you think is the more likely of those two that, that he signs? I think he will try to sign for the maximum amount of that biannual on a one-year deal. And is what I think. Why do you think he will do that on a one-year deal? I think... He's a confident kid. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's safe to say, yeah. And I think that with uh, the amount of salary cap space that will be available next summer, because it's literally nearly half the league is coming off the books. So you can look at that two ways. That means half the league is going to be a free agent, so there's a lot of competition for those cap dollars. Or you look at it as that's half the league coming off the books. Now, it doesn't mean that's half the total salary coming off the books. I don't know what that number is, but it there, means a lot, a lot of, of money space. in the pool. <laughs> right. So if you're looking at a player like Trier, who's, you know, 20, I guess he'll be 23 years old at that point, and has proven that maybe he was obviously overlooked in the draft, um, I could see teams wanting to make an offer to him that would probably be more than one year. or 3.6 million, whatever the second year of his deal would equate to if he signed the two-year deal right now. And I'm betting that's what he would bet on too. And here's why that's going to be a problem. And and let's just spell it out. There is no more open secret in the league that the entire Knicks franchise, all of the um, popcorn and peanut vendors in MSG, the people that sell at the concessions in Penn Station – um, you know, newspaper vendors, you know, within a few blocks of, of MSG, every single one of them is gearing up for a run at Kevin Durant. Everybody in the league knows that. So if you're a team that isn't likely usually to sign um, a good free agent, there is nothing stopping you from on July 1st, and it, let's ca- add this caveat that Agents talk to exa- – like, I know you're not supposed to negotiate before July 1st. It's an open secret that everybody does negotiate, and there, it's a reason that these deals are, like, reported at midnight because these negotiations have been going on for, you know, days, maybe weeks, months, whatever. If someone signs him to – let's – I'm going to toss out 
you know, whatever, some number, uh, three years, you know, let's give him the Lou Williams contract, all right? Three years, uh, $24 million. He signs that at midnight on July 1st. What then happens to the Knicks' available cap space? So they then have two days to match that offer, and they are allowed to— It used to, to be four days, right? Three or, or it used to be three? I know they less Yeah, I it. think— yeah, I think so. I think so. And I'm and I'm pausing for a second because I'm making sure it's two in my mind, but I'm pretty sure it is two days um, to match. And what it means on July, if it happens on July 1st, is you're in that, well, I guess you're in that, what, moratorium phase where no one officially signs until, uh, was it July 7th or something like that? But sure. what happens is while the Knicks can match any offer and they can even exceed the salary cap to match an offer, they would need to at least have that amount of cap space, you know, available to them to to match it. So meaning they couldn't then just go renounce all their free agents to create cap space to sign, say, uh, Kevin Durant, but then not have the amount once they renounce those free agents and go below the cap, they now have to have the amount they would need to make the match below the cap. So that that would obviously complicate things because depending on timing, now again, if they, that's why I think you said right away on July 1st, the idea is if if they got Durant or whoever, Kemba Walker, to agree to sign a deal and it happened before this offer was made, they then could sign the player with their cap space and then exceed the cap to match the offer. But the way I think we've seen things go in the past, the big fish free agents tend to go, well, I shouldn't say last, but they go, because sometimes other dominoes are waiting to fall, but it, it's very possible that it could happen well, after offers made, and that's where it gets tricky. The way the way this thing is shaping up, I mean, I think Woj reported a few days ago that, you know, there's been different stuff out there in the ether about Durant and the Knicks. Woj reported a few days ago that he, I, I want to say his wording was that there's a good chance that they get a meeting or they've set themselves up to get a meeting. Right. The point is, this isn't going to be one of those things where, you know, remember, you know, God, God love him. Joakim Noah putting on the Knicks hat with, uh, you know, whatever it was, a day before free agency even started. You're not going to see that. Oh, with, right. On yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not going to see that with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is, he's going to, I, I mean, look, nobody knows for sure, but it sure seems like he's going to let this thing play out and he's going to, you know, I don't want to say enjoy the process, but he's it's it's not going to be a instantaneous thing. So, again, if you're a team that doesn't attract a lot of free agents and you have an opportunity to get a 23-year-old, you know, or whatever it'll be, 24 by that point maybe, um, spark plug who could kind of give you, um, you know, easy buckets at an efficient rate off the bench – you're, you know, the chances are you you might think very strongly uh, about doing that, and if you're Trier, um, at that point, and then this gets into the discussion we're going to have about the G League, what is stopping you from signing that offer sheet? And that gets back to a, what what relationship will he have ha- will he have at that point, you know, with the Knicks. Um, to the point that will he be patient? But then it goes back to, well, if he tells the team that wants to sign him to the offer sheet, 
well, I'll sign the offer sheet, but I'm not going to sign it yet. What's stopping that team from saying, no, 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 you either sign it right now or it goes off the table because we have other fish to get to. And that's where it gets complicated. And that's why as much as the, the team may want to build up a good relationship with Trier um, and, and have him be patient and the whole thing, they, it may not matter because if, it, if, if it's the, the, the incentive for the team to hold the offer sheet out there while the Knicks handle their business, it's, it, there is the, that incentive is not there for the, the, that other team, right? Right. Yeah. Right. That's what it comes down to. So it could. And, you know, again, we're, you know, we're basing this off of whatever, 23 games, whatever he's played. So who knows if there is. And we're not even saying, I mean, you said three years, 24 million. We're not saying some ridiculous offer sheet. But right now, as it stands, the Knicks are about seven million dollars short of what they would need to have um, max space to sign a Kevin Durant type free agent. They obviously need to do some more work to get that seven million, which would probably be, you know, trading someone like Courtney Lee. And you know, and people forget they could they could get the space trading Courtney Lee. They don't even need to get rid of all of his money. They just need to get rid of that that seven ish million amount. But then if suddenly you have you know eight million held up on matching this offer sheet because you want to keep him. Um, you know, that becomes an issue. And maybe, you know, maybe for the Knicks, they decide, well, at that point, if, if we're, you know, if it's Kevin Durant, we're going to get, you know, all this stuff is probability, right? It's basically saying, okay, if there's a 5% chance that happens, then we might have to deal with it, right? But at least we ended up with Durant. Um, maybe you don't make a decision on that 5% chance that Durant comes here. And therefore, you, you know, you you deal with the offer sheet when it comes but i think the the point we're getting back around to is that's why trier probably wants just a one-year deal because he thinks he can get i'm guessing he thinks he can get money this summer but this is why the knicks probably want him to sign the two-year deal because they can get him locked up for an amount they can plan for an amount that they can, I'll call, tolerate on their cap for next season while still chasing a max free agent. And and we're going to get to the, the last point, which is your uh, proposal for how they could perhaps coax him into signing that two-year deal, which I'm, I'm calling the nuclear option. Uh, but before we do, I just want to say really quickly, in that scenario you just proposed where, again, they are – someone else makes – you know gives Trier an offer sheet. They are not – the Knicks are not certain what's going on with Durant yet. You know, over those couple of days at the beginning of July, you know, there's a lot of balls in the air. So um, could the team at that point um, say, all right, we're going to match on Trier, knowing maybe that there is another deal that they have in their back pocket to move, you know, let's, let's say Hardaway, which would, you know, for lesser salary. And then that would open back up the cap space that they would need, which they may have spent matching on Trier. So nothing, nothing's ever final. There's always options. There's always other moves that you could make. It's all, you know, as you suggested, it's a cost-benefit analysis. Let's get back to trying to get him to sign two years. So you're Alonzo Trier. You're sitting there right now. Your agent is negotiating with the Knicks. Um, the Knicks say, we want you to sign for two years. Trier's agent is saying, hell no, we want to be on the open market this summer. Um, what do you think the Knicks could counter with? Well, yeah, so this is where it gets tricky when you are a team that's trying to build um, 
you know, a certain type of culture. And it shows you the complications of all the different things you need to consider in terms of how you nurture a relationship um, and what it means uh, when you decide to do certain things in negotiation in terms of how it could impact the, the long term piece of that relationship. But if you wanted to be sort of a cowboy in negotiating, you could essentially say, <laughs> I like that term. <laughs> I like it. You could essentially say, look, December 16th, you know, you, there's a there's a nice spot in the rotation down in Westchester for you. You can go down there and you can play for the rest of the season in the G League because we're only going to offer you this one-year deal. And if you don't take it, then we're not giving you anything else, right? Meaning, wait, and, so meaning, well, you hold on. You said we're only going to offer you this one-year deal, meaning you, you mean the two-year deal. Oh, right. I said one year. Right, yeah, right, two right. Years. Exactly. I'm sorry. It's right. So it's saying we will not accept only a one year deal. We're only going to offer you a two year deal. And if you don't take it, you only want one year, then we're playing hardball. And that would basically say to Trier, okay, well, now I have to A, potentially forfeit the amount they would give me this year. So that could be three and a half million dollars. B, what happens to my value in the league? Because I'm not playing for several years. So, uh, several months. So I guess, you know, you're kind of in a corner. But like I said, that that's something I don't think you, you got to be careful because that that's not something that helps your relationship with the with the agent and the player. And I think there's a lot more to it than just, you know, than just that. But it, it is something, um, you know, you, you could do to try to negotiate and enforce that enforce that move, especially if you're the Knicks and you're talking to agents or uh, throughout the league who tell you, even on this small sample, we think he can get X next summer. And if that X amount in an offer sheet is something you don't want to have to deal with, that might push you more towards saying we really need to get him for two years if we want to keep him here. I So I... We kind of disagree on this. Not disagree, but I my thinking is this. I think this particular front office um, probably – I think they value – like we were talking about this with uh, with Mo Hamilton, right? Um, that this factored into the decision to uh, wave and stretch Noah when they did because he's a you know he's a respected guy around the league. His agent is one of the you know one of the power players in the sport. I think they want to maintain that good relationship, and I think that if they do the right thing, so to speak, by Trier now, so give him the rest of the, give him basically let him sign the one year um, biannual exception for the rest of the season. I think there's a greater likelihood at that point that he will be not run out at midnight on July 1st and look for that expensive deal. Now, that being said, um will it stop, you know, maybe the Knicks maybe the Knicks um you know kind of just ask him, okay, we'll give you the one year, but do us a solid at the beginning of July and, you know, just you know, wait until we handle our business with Durant. Does Trier have to listen to that? Of course not. But if I'm the Knicks, that's that's the yeah, way right. that I that's, would go. 
Exactly. That's where, like we're saying, that's where the relationships come in and your negotiation now isn't just about today. It's about in the future. And because he is a restricted free agent, because his cap hold, I guess that's maybe a big point we haven't mentioned. His cap hold is basically the league minimum salary around there. So because his cap hold is so low, it does no impact to the cap. So they can just keep his cap hold um, on the books until they figure out what they're going to do, and then they can exceed the cap once they have their roster figured out to sign him to you know whatever they want to sign him to, and um, you know I think those are the points you're trying to make in negotiation now, rather than what we would call the the nuclear option of trying to force uh, you know a two year deal. I mean, when, you know the other I guess the only other thing I'll add is. This season is sort of what I'll call a free cap year. It's why, you know, even Noah, his, his money is stretched, obviously, starting next season. But this, his full salary is on the books for this year. This isn't a year the Knicks are obviously looking to – they're already over to cap. They're not looking to add players. So the, if you spent $3.5 million on him for this year, it's sort of free cap money. Yes. So you could argue you give him $7 million now over two years, you're only being – you're only feeling the cost of half of that versus if you gave him the same 7 million in the summer, you actually feel the full 7 million cap hit. If that, if I'm making sense. Yeah. And, and we should be clear that if the Knicks 1000% should absolutely be trying to get him to sign that two year, um, biannual exception. I, I, I think at this point I know, I feel like, look, I, Trier is not my favorite player. Um, I appreciate, I appreciate what he does, but I think he's shown enough um, that they they would they should feel comfortable committing that that level of money to him. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I think so. And then you know you lose your biannual anyways once they go below the cap. You know you only use it can use it every two two years. Yes. So if they used it, they couldn't in two years. But then they also lose it anyways uh, this summer once they go below the cap. So you know it just makes sense to to try to use it um, in this case. And um, like I said, I think either way. You know, we're we're kind of getting into details because there's, you know, it's just interesting to go through and it helps, I think, hopefully the fans understand the different thinking about it. But I guess I'll end by saying I don't see it being a problem at all. I just think it's like, you know, you sort through these different considerations. It's why when you're wondering, well, what, you know, what's taking a team so long to get a deal done that seems obvious? Well, it's because it's all these little points that you're, you know, you're trying to work out on top of a million points that, you know, we don't even know about. Um, but, you know, I feel pretty confident that they'll find, um, you know, they'll find a good resolution. I guess the only part that would get tricky is if he somehow continues to rise. Like, let's just say we, what we've seen of him is only the beginning and, and the, the rest of this rookie season, he just like keeps taking off and off and off. Then yeah, maybe you start to get to the point where you're like, geez, yeah, this is, this is going to be a tough situation next summer um, with an offer sheet possibility. But you know, for right now, I think, you know, I think they can feel pretty good. It will, it will work itself out. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I, I, the only other thing I want to throw in there before we sign off is that, cause I'm sure someone's going to be like, ah, oh, the Knicks were stupid. They should have signed him to multiple years before the season ever started. Well, no, because a, an undrafted player coming in and essentially performing like one of the, I don't know, five, six best rookies in the class, I... I don't want. I, I want to say it's literally unprecedented. I mean, it's not like we've never had undrafted guys 
um, produced before, but to the level that he is, where he's you know playing this many minutes and scoring this many points and scoring them as efficiently as he is, um, you know, and now obviously they're they're giving him some backup point guard minutes. It's another possible added uh, pocket of value. I, I just. I, I don't. There's a, listen. There's a lot of things you could criticize the Knicks for. I don't think that's that's one of them. At least not in this situation. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously now it, it would have made sense. And um, you know, you know, another thing too is I, you know, you don't know. I mean, I guess you know he he didn't have much negotiation power. But you know, we did hear reports that he preferred the Knicks. I don't know if the Knicks tried to get him on the two year. Um, if he if yeah. there was another team, who right? knows? Maybe, there's Maybe another they did. Team. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we don't know. But like you said, it, <laughs> you know, you, you couldn't predict that it would work out this way. I mean, who would have thought we'd be doing a podcast on an off night in December <laughs> and we wouldn't even be bringing up Kevin Knox. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's just crazy. So um, definitely interesting. Well, um, the time is now what is it? 7.47 p.m. Uh, Frank Nilekina is still... <laughs> I'm kidding. Frank Nilekina is still a Nick, um, and there are no new rumors. I um, I don't expect any anything to... you know, If anything did happen, I don't expect anything to happen until December 15th because um, that's when people signed this summer can be moved. Um, so, you know, if you're a Knicks fan and you're listening to this... And you're expecting to wake up and see some news um, the next day or the day after. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, is, that, is that all we got? Anything else we want to say before we, we go? No, I, I think uh, we covered it all for now. But I'm sure, yeah, we'll we'll go to sleep and there'll be some new sentence buried in a story somewhere that will become a, a big headline, <laughs> and who <laughs> will be on to that one? Yes, uh, well said. All right, well, uh, JB, enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, I am going to do the same. And uh, you out there, thank you for listening to another episode of Nick's Film School Podcast. It's a pleasure having you as always. Uh, Rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Spread the word. And we will talk to you again soon. Peace out. Video.